The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to Red October. We are in the midst of the Fall Classic, the World Series, and everyone is so excited about the Phillies. It's the buzz all around town. Yesterday, the sidelines of all the kids' soccer games were filled with Phillies gear, some vintage and some new. All the talk was about Bryce Harper and his shot to send them into the World Series and the 10th inning home run in Game 1. The crowds at the ballpark have been amazing, and I love seeing everybody decked out in red and all the chatter about the home team. Everyone is like, go Phils, even at Wawa, go Phils, like it's a secret password that acknowledges something we all share in common. Sports brings us together in ways that few things do. And by the way, in addition to that, the Eagles are 6-0, and the Philadelphia Union, Philly's professional MLS soccer team, plays tonight in the Eastern Conference Final. So it is a great time to be rooting for the home teams. This past year, my daughter and Tess have really gotten into rooting for the Philadelphia Union, um, who play at their stadium in Chester, just below the Commodore Barry Bridge. Um, you know that we root for the Boston teams, but the Union have become our Philly team. And we've gone to a few of their games together. And one of the things that we love about soccer is that it has so many rituals. Uh, before the game, the Riverside cheering section, all the fans who stand and chant throughout the whole game called the Sons of Ben, after Ben Franklin, march from their pregame staging area to the stadium with blue and yellow smoke going up, chanting all the way through security. And in the pregame, the Riverside section passes down these big flags across the stands that go all the way up and then down uh, across the crowd uh, while somebody on the field bangs a big drum, always somebody famous from Philadelphia, banging a drum to get the crowd all fired up for the game. And Tess notified me that when the Union score a goal, you're supposed to take your scarf, and now I have a soccer scarf, and whip it around to celebrate that they have scored. And just so you know that you're in Philly, when the substitutes from the other team are announced as they go into the game, the whole stadium says, sucks, right after their name. <laughs> Just so you know where you are. The Union are super fan friendly. Uh, after the last game we went to, it was Tessa's birthday, and she held up a sign that said it was her birthday after the game, and the, the goalie came over and signed one of his keeper gloves and gave it to her. I can't help thinking this morning about the parallels, about the ways that we come to root for the home team and being part or becoming part of a faith tradition like Lutheranism. Today we celebrate Reformation Sunday, which marks the anniversary 505 years and counting 
from when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg, which would spark the Reformation and give birth to the Lutheran church. Maybe you've been a Lutheran your whole life, and maybe you are pretty new to it. But when you become part of this 505-year-old tradition, whether you were baptized into it or came to it recently, you become part of that history and tradition. You inherit that community and culture. You, too, inherit a pantheon of legendary figures from Martin Luther and his wife Katie to his wingman, Philip Melanchthon. You inherit the brilliant music of Johann Sebastian Bach and the bravery of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And we are here today on this land thanks to a German farmer named Valentin Puff who gave this land to the church in the 1750s and who would be so pleased that the church continues and that his name is mentioned even today. We also inherit the incredible liberating central insight of our tradition, which we find in our gospel reading for this morning. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave doesn't have a permanent place in the household, but a son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And first, with this most recent spike of anti-Semitism in the news, I want to talk about the Jews here in this passage. Now, sometimes we look at these readings and some interpretations, even some very well-meaning ones, and the Jews are couched as ignorant or rejecting Jesus or are blamed for Jesus' death. These are among the things when not handled with care and casually that cast Jews in the Jewish community in a negative light. People use these things in scriptures to justify their own prejudice, bigotry, and hate. But remember, Jesus was Jewish. And of all the places and of all the peoples for God to be born, God chose to be Jewish and to bring hope and healing in a time in first century Palestine when Jews were occupied and oppressed by the Roman Empire. The Jews were losers in the arc of history, exiled, enslaved, and occupied by the world's great empires, by the Egyptians, the Romans, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. And this is how and where God chose to show up. And these were Jews in the story who believed in Jesus and they ask a question that we would probably also ask in that same situation. What do you mean we're not free? For we pride ourselves on being free, and we don't just treasure our freedom, we glorify it. We think of freedom as independence, self-reliance, and self-determination. We are free to be and do what we choose. But that's not the kind of freedom that Jesus is talking about. Because what Jesus is saying and what he demonstrates throughout his life and ministry, his death and resurrection, that we are not as free as we imagine. In fact, we are enslaved to many things. We are enslaved to fear and anger, which lead to hate and violence, to the suspicion of the other, which drives us apart. We're enslaved by our individualism, which has made us profoundly lonely and contributed to an ep epidemic of loneliness. We are enslaved to a culture that determines our value by what we can produce rather than our innate value as human beings. We are enslaved to shame, to pasts that haunt us, to things unforgiven, 
things we desperately hide from others and from ourselves, enslaved by our fear that we are not enough, enslaved to the myth that everyone else has it all together, that everyone is living a better life, a more interesting life than we are. We are enslaved to a sense of despair and hopelessness. The irony in the reading is that those that Jesus was talking to had been enslaved and not free many times over. They were enslaved in Egypt and made to work in the harshest conditions before Moses led them out in the Exodus. And then they wandered in the desert 40 years and often complained and talked about going back. They were exiled in the Babylonian Empire when they'd sacked the Holy Land and took many of its people back to Babylon. They were only freed when the Persians sacked Babylon and sent them back home. The whole of the Hebrew Scriptures revolve around these two stories of being not free. They had clearly, historically, factually, verifiably not been free, but they could not admit it to Jesus or to themselves. It's hard to set somebody free when they don't know or cannot admit that they are trapped. When Jesus says, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed, he's talking about a deep and healing freedom, not a freedom from, but a freedom for, a liberation from sin, our brokenness, from our past, from fear and worry, through forgiveness, breaking the chains that link us to those who have done us harm, through the communion table, healing us from our loneliness and isolation, from the Bible, a word of hope in hard times. And in it all and through it all, God's grace that says, God knows everything about you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God loves you perfectly, completely, and more than you can imagine. And sent the Son to confront, overcome, and heal everything that would keep us from that freedom and grace and knowledge that we are loved by the God of the universe. Because as Martin Luther knew, that is true freedom. That is the freedom that changes everything. I'm a Lutheran because I need to keep hearing that. Not because I have freedom and grace figured out, but because I desperately need to hear it over and over again. That I am loved. That I am enough. That I am good and that God can use me for the good of the world. I need to hear it so much that it seeps into my skin and deep into my bones. And being loved so deeply, then we are free to love. Having been forgiven, we are free to forgive. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we are free to lay down our lives for others. Having received the full measure of God's grace, we are free to offer that grace to others. Having found meaning, purpose, and community in this place, we are free to invite people to experience it as well. Having been grounded in our own tradition, we can honor and respect other traditions. Having been loved by God while we were yet strangers, we can welcome strangers as friends. For if the Son makes us free, we will be free indeed. This is our heritage. This is our story. This is our inheritance, a message that has endured for 505 years and for good reason a message that we need to keep hearing, keep experiencing, and keep sharing. For in the words of the hymn, 
that priceless grace, that priceless grace, that priceless grace which gave me life. Jesus' life is priceless grace. That priceless grace is life for me. And we are free indeed. Amen.